Hello and welcome. My name's Ben. I'm the CEO of Charlie HR, and this is the Culture Ops Podcast. We're the podcast that's trying to lift the lid on the challenging situations that affect your business and your culture on a daily basis. Let's get into it. Okay, so we're going to kick off today's episode. Um, I'm super hyped for this. Um, I've got Ginny Lisk with me today, the legend. <laughs> um, Ginny, your people and culture partner at Unleashed, correct? I am, correct. <laughs> and uh, we've known each other for a while. I've kind of followed you on um, your journey over the last couple of years. Uh, we originally met when you were at Judo. Mm-hmm. You were in a people role there. And since then, you've you've worked at a few different places, and now you're at Unleashed. I am at Unleashed, yes. Tell us what Unleashed do. So we are, thank you for having me, um, a people, people and culture consultancy. Um, I say consultancy and then immediately want to caveat that because we deliberately not your kind of typical consultancy. Um, and what we do is partner with startups and scale-ups, um, either complete tech startups and scale-ups or generally to some degree tech-enabled Um, And we work in stages to provide a wealth of kind of people and culture insight across the whole people experience to generate a people and culture roadmap with those businesses and then um, work with them in a hands-on way, kind of retained with them on site to deliver that roadmap. Um, I think we are getting a bit of a reputation for talking about killing HR and Mm. the death of HR. Um, And I think from that perspective, what we mean is that you know, we feel quite passionately as individuals and, and all of our experiences working in this kind of area that that old school, traditional um, kind of you only talk to HR when something's gone wrong kind of model is so not fit for purpose anymore. Um, so we're trying to kind of change the conversation and talk about designing people experience and the new kind of, I guess, skill sets that we think people people should have. Um, and so we partner with businesses that share that philosophy and share those values and and believe that ultimate kind of growth and scalability is unleashed through people and culture. Um, nice. So, yeah. Great. And whenever we meet, I'm always struck that we definitely share the same values when it comes to people, culture, yeah. performance. What was it initially for you that made you think, hey, this is an area that I want to work in. This is something I'm super passionate about. I think a combination of things. Personally, it was experiences that I'd had before when I'd seen it done well, when I'd seen it done not so well. Um, And also getting to a stage in my career where I was like, enough, like I'm on a bit of a kind of nothing to lose, I guess, mission to try and be deliberately a bit kind of more active in terms of this piece around changing the conversation. Um, Also, I think you know, every single business, and people say this all the time, and I know it's a bit of a cliche, but every business is a people business. Um, And I just think in terms of leadership conversations, in terms of investing in the businesses of the future, you know, the capacity of individuals in decision-making positions in scaling businesses to really put an emphasis on people and culture is something that I feel is is kind of getting a little bit more commonplace as well. So Mm. I feel like it's timely. Um, so yeah, I guess a combination of kind of a personal, like 
mission. mission. And the fact that I think that this is the way that, bearing in mind we work specifically with these kind of smaller stage businesses, it's the way that more and more businesses are trying to kind of orientate themselves anyway. So. Yeah, nice. And so there's a ton of small businesses that will be listening today. And for them, often prioritising the performance of you, mm. which is what we're here to talk about, is a difficult thing, right? They yeah. they take time, they take consideration, all things that maybe we don't have in abundance as someone that runs a small business. Yeah. Um, you know, time is precious. Yes. Consideration is precious. We have burning fires at our <laughs> fingertips on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. But as you say, we're moving to a place, you know, there's a revolution happening. Yeah. When we are riding that wave. We're moving to a place where maybe not prioritizing these things is no longer an option. 100%. These things have become an expectation. So why do you think the performance review is no longer an optional thing that you can decide to do or not to do within your business? Big question. So I think there's a number of different kind of um, elements to, to the response to that. And on a practical perspective, I think people at work expect a more individualized experience of work. Um, And I think that specifically in smaller businesses where you are closer to the business and to everything and you feel everything more, it's only fair that you have your expectations effectively managed in terms of what good looks like. Um, So I think there is that kind of individualized um, approach that's that's more commonplace and and more expected from people that are working in this kind of startup scale up environment. I think... Also, because people are kind of realizing that from a leadership perspective, you know, if you are as a C-suite, you know, head of whatever that kind of strategic apex of the business looks like, you're under pressure, right? You're under pressure to customers, to your team, to your investors. And so therefore being able to clearly and effectively drive performance is something that has to be quite far up the Mm. kind of agenda. I think it can naturally fall down the to-do list because it feels like a kind of big process-driven change. And I don't necessarily think it has to be that. And, and we're going to try and make it nice and simple Yes. today. We're going to try and make it bite-sized. <laughs> Do you think the workforce is changing and has changed based on what their expectations are of these kind of processes within organisations? Absolutely. And I think... But not, not unfairly. Mm. I think that, um, you know, there is obviously a kind of quite privileged perspective that as a leader in a state scaling business, you have. Um, and, I, and I mean that from, a, you know, you have a kind of decision making set of remit and um, I guess power in terms of decision making that most people in a startup don't have and... These are flat structures, you know, the career development piece of going to a bigger business, be in a role, do reasonably well. And in a year or two, you will move up that hierarchy and that vertical kind of um, development path because the business is big enough and that's the way forward. Like mm-hmm. I could never work in that environment. And I don't think anyone listening to this <laughs> would <laughs> identify with um, wanting to find uh, themselves in that kind of environment. But it's, and it's, you know, it's the absolute opposite in startups. And I think it's just become more obvious that to people joining that kind of environment, they can and should expect 
a certain amount of, you know, feedback and um, which we all need. It's not it's not comfortable giving it or receiving it, but we need, right? And a bit of boundaries and a bit of structure and a kind of managed expectation and just a where do I stand now and what does my future potentially look like? And those are potentially harder questions to ask in scaling environments where there's a lot of change and things move really quickly and there'll always be more work to be done than people to do it. But that's no longer an excuse. And I think people to, to not kind of, you know, be able to respond to those those requests and those needs. So I think people know that now. I think bringing people into these kinds of worlds and businesses, you can no longer kind of, well, hashtag startup, you know, it's not, doesn't wash anymore. Yeah, I agree. Um, and I think there's also a difference here, which is that we're not just talking about a performance review in the kind of super classical sense Mm-mm. of the word, which is, I work for you, you review my performance and say, Uh yes, Ben, you get to keep working here. (laughs) Mm -hmm. We're talking about a performance review, which is, uh, which comes from both sides, which is for the organization. Yes, 100%. But it's also for the, for the individual. Absolutely. You know, you and I both know, we see in the data that we have, which is the growth development progression Mm -hmm. are the key things people are looking for Mm -hmm. from the companies that they join from their nine to five, from Monday to Friday. And the performance review sits at a really important point in that journey and allows you to have those development conversations. It allows you to get that constructive feedback that you can use. And so this isn't just about saying, hey, yeah, you get to keep working for company A. It's about fueling that development journey. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that kind of psychological contract that you mentioned, right, this is you know, the core of when I was thinking about kind of prep ahead of coming in to, to chat today, um, it's, it is so mutual. You, performance requires a lot of active listening and it, it's constant. It's in every one-to-one you have. It's in every catch-up you have. It's in, and we'll get into kind of details of, I guess, kind of the other things that I think need to happen from a people and culture perspective to enable that performance conversation. But it's a conversation rather than that one-off full of bias, non-participatory, potentially unfair, you know, milestone of I've got my review coming up, Mm. right? That's, that's not what people want. And it's not what people should have, right? It should be an ongoing conversation that is part of that psychological contract that businesses and their teams have. Nice. I mean, quickly, what do you think happens if companies don't prioritise this? Um, I say this all the time, it's becoming a bit of my trademark. Um, People assume in gaps. Um, So I think if you're, you know, there are, you could get the most amazing software, you can automate this, you can make this so self-serve, you can do all of that kind of stuff. But if the, the kind of core of your why, and if you haven't defined performance, and if you haven't defined what good looks like in an individual way, people will be left with a gap. And it's unfair to expect people to not find that potentially incredibly anxiety inducing. Mm. And it's not fair to expect people to, um, again, back to this kind of hashtag startup piece, right? Like, yes, you want people who use intuition, who have got discretionary behavior sets to ask for forgiveness, not permission to be proactive, to try and push a needle. But if you're doing that in a vacuum without knowing what people think. We all want to know as human beings that we belong, that we're working in the right way, that we're having impact, that we're masters of, you know, our own destiny. And so you, but you can't 
you cannot feel that sense of kind of security and happiness in a vacuum. You need um, to hear from, you know, the people whose opinions matter around you. So if it doesn't happen, I think you can end up with potentially some really unwell people. Mm. Um, but also just from a strategic perspective, you know, if you're, you've are you got stretchy goals because you're a startup and you've got a growth mindset and you're ambitious, why would you not want to be able to effectively communicate how people are tracking and what you need to see more or less of in order to make sure that you're achieving missions and visions, right? So again, it's mutual and it has to work both ways. I, I totally agree. And I think that we're seeing a shift. I love this idea that rather than hiring an extra person, you think about how can I engage the team that I currently have? How do I enhance the people we already have mm -hmm. in the room? How do we maximize their potential? Yeah. Rather than just thinking about, we need more bodies, right? Yeah. I think that's such an old school way of looking at it. Mm. Um, so there is that employee-led reason for doing this, development growth, but there's a real practical, hey, this is actually gonna have business value. Okay, so these are important. They're important <laughs> for the business, they're important for the individual, we've yeah. got to prioritize them. Yeah. Long live the performance review. <laughs> Where have you seen this go wrong? And what do you think the typical mistakes are? So I think where I have seen this go wrong in terms of my experience has been based in a couple of things. So firstly, starting at, I guess, the kind of highest level, just take the words performance and review into my last point about definitions of language within uh, the kind of field. If you can't define performance, it can really go wrong. Um, because it becomes very subjective. Mm -hmm. And if you can't define what that review looks like, um, so that connected, in my mind, experience of the one-to-ones that you have with your manager, as much as the kind of, you know, grabbing a coffee and getting a quick kind of opinion, it's all about coaching and it's, and it's a continuum. So I think when it becomes a review in that really traditional sense, I mean, it goes without saying, right, you don't do an annual review and then not talk about performance for the rest of the year. Um, so it's defining what does performance mean and what does that review process look and feel like? And above and beyond defining what performance looks like from a, I guess, a management perspective and the business's perspective, it's being able to articulate um, as a, as a collective, whether that be um, a leadership team and exec committee, whoever the key opinion holders and stakeholders are, what will the team feel when we're performing? How will they know so that actually they can self-direct? I think that's the big difference and putting time and effort around considering that and finding a way to articulate that culturally. If that's missing, I think that is the precursor to any review process, not necessarily being as great as it could be. Um, um, is, is it similar to so what we talk about in terms of culture and defining culture? So it's people don't understand, you know, they they feel they feel like they don't have the culture that they want. Mm -hmm. They maybe look around the room and say people aren't necessarily behaving in the way that we want. And you realize that they've not done that definition work. Yeah. And I think it's a balance because cultures evolve. Mm -hmm. um, uh, interestingly, I was having a conversation with someone very recently when we were talking about values. And I do think values are an important current and the kind of thread that has to run through performance. Um, you don't want someone who is obviously brilliant in their role, but pissing everyone off around them as they go and, and having a toxic impact. So values are important. And yeah, I was having this chat um, and 
someone said to me that they thought that values were just nonsense, right? That they, to use their own words, were management bullshit. Hmm. Um, And they were like, you know, the team that we have and that unique dynamic that is created from those individuals at that time are our values. And like, I don't disagree with that, I guess, in principle, you know, you do need to be led by your team and your team should be self-correcting. Mm-hmm. However, it's half the picture, right? Like it's only half that kind of story. And I think if you can't, if you can't articulate what you would recognize, what you tolerate, what you don't tolerate, what you want to see more of, um, what you want the discretionary behavioral choices of your team to look like, there is a difference between helping and steering and coaching and managers getting around in a room and saying, this is the kind of behavior I think I want to see from my culture. And that's when it is that kind of, you know, nonsensical, useless value. So culture doesn't have to be, I think, this kind of enigma where people are like, I just need the the perfect culture. You need your own culture that works for your business and the problems you're solving and the types of people that are involved. But that isn't, again, an excuse to not try and really understand and help codify and recognize the right role modeling behavior and to as leaders role model that behavior yourself. And I think that is a big chunk of performance in a fast paced growing business, right? Bingo. Yeah, absolutely. There's a really interesting thread that's rolled through a bunch of these episodes now, which is that, (laughs) you know, we, we, we kind of embody this world at the moment where we talk a lot about flexibility and autonomy. Yep. And flat structures and holacracy and all this amazing stuff. Mm -hmm. And I love those ideas. But I also know that human beings like some constraints. Yeah, we all need some structure. Yeah, Yeah. and we're not talking about uh, micromanagement. We're not talking about incredibly dictatorial organisations. What we're talking about is a really nice place in the middle where I know what good looks like. I know what is expected of me in certain scenarios. And the performance conversation is the perfect example of that right Mm -hmm. if we don't define it how am I meant to understand if I'm doing a good job Mm -hmm. or a bad job what are my areas that I should be focusing on in terms of my development what are the questions I should be asking super confusing well and I just think it is and you know as with this whole world of kind of everything people and culture it's a web that is massively interrelated and each individual correlation isn't a lever that you can pull in isolation. It's a holistic thing, right? But I think ultimately it's it's easy to overcomplicate. And I, I end up having conversations quite often where I'm like, look, let's just treat people like grown-ups. I genuinely think everyone is doing their best. I don't think many people get out of bed in the morning and think, I'm going to go to work and underperform today, okay, right? Okay. So people feel rewarded when they feel like they're performing. If you can help them understand what that feeling is and you can help them understand from the business's perspective, you know, what we all should be of our own volition as grown-ups, as adults. No, I totally agree. And so there's two things there in terms of the ways that this stuff classically goes wrong. A, you don't under, you don't define what performance looks like. Yep. What's good, what's bad. And then not making enough time to have that calibration between between managers, between people that are responsible for giving this feedback. Mm-hmm. Is there anything else that you typically see? Are there any other classic pitfalls that you see companies falling into? Um, I think there's a, there's a kind of EVP thing, right? There's a, what is our collective why 
why do I, CEO, get out of bed every day and work really hard? And how can I translate that into why my team get out of bed and, and work really hard, given that they don't have the privileged kind of visibility of the business that you do in that ultimate kind of leadership position? Um, and I think if you haven't got a really strong sense of um, this is the problem we're solving and this is why it's important and this is why we have people working for us because they share that kind of sense of, of mission and, and vision, it's really hard if you don't have it collectively to then talk about that at an individual level. Yeah. And I hear that often with managers saying, you know, we're doing something that's incredibly important and and that should be enough. And it's like, but if I don't feel that and if I don't see that collectively and I don't understand that, if I don't get updates from the business on how we're tracking against that, if I feel disconnected in a startup where people join to be connected to that, I think that is the kind of underlying thing. And equally, um, I define that EVP as being broader than what are our benefits and what's our remuneration and our pay philosophy. And, you know, there's there's a factor of this is a, a value proposition for me working for your business, yeah. but it's not enough anymore. Nice. So um, just to find quickly what EVP is for people listening at home. Uh, an employee ways. value proposition. Nice. Okay. And, and what's interesting about all of these things is we've not even really talked about <laughs> The review itself. We've talked about things that sit uh, sit around oh, yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Right, and let's get into goal setting. <laughs> right, but those those things are really important. Yeah, you know? they if if those foundations aren't there, then how can you help someone see how they their development and their performance fits into a bigger goal? Right, it's 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 much harder to do. And you know, I've. I've been through this as well with Charlie, right? When we didn't have necessarily a really, really clear mission for what we're trying to achieve. If I compare our situation now where we do, a really clear purpose, a really clear mm -hmm. reason for getting up and coming to work in the morning. I mean, the engagement from the team is it's so different. Yeah. It is, it is palpably different. Which enables that performance conversation piece, right? Rather than, and I think... I think also, so we talk a lot about, there's a lot of kind of words that we want to reframe and rephrase within this field. And, and actually we don't talk about performance management or performance reviews. We talk about performance enablement. We talk actually about how can you just get out of people's way with structure, you know, and there's a lot of kind of, um, I guess, steps that you can take as a business to make sure that you're doing that. But people need to feel autonomous. And if you give people who are the right people with the right motivation, who are adding lots to your culture, um, who are at the right time, at the right place in your business and you enable them to perform. I just think people perform, right? People want to perform and they need, they need some, well, it's hard on a podcast because no one can see what I'm doing with my hands, uh, but she has got her hands out yeah, in front of her. I'm, I'm a, I gesticulate quite a lot. Um, you need to nudge people in at the edges and you need to kind of correct and you do that through, it might be quite directive coaching at some time, sometimes, but it's coaching. Um, but I just think, yeah, enable people to perform rather than try and manage the output of your team. Like it's a completely different mindset. Bingo. Super smart. I want to focus, we've been talking quite macro in terms of like what are the foundations, what are the things that we need as businesses to be able to have great performance conversations with people. I want to talk about you personally for a bit. What are the best performance conversations that you yourself have experienced as an individual? Um, when, as a person, as a person managing performance and enabling, or as a person who's going in to have their performance 
Reviewed. Reviewed. Yeah. Okay. Uh, A, when I do most of the talking, there's nothing worse than going in to have a conversation where you are going in with a psychology of, I am feeling a little bit unsure and I need my manager to give me some helpful advice and some coaching and some steering and then talk for 90% of it because they haven't heard and I think it's it's can come from quite a good place. I think a lot of managers uh, care and want to do this. So they go in ready to just chuck loads of advice at someone. Actually, I think that makes it worse because it's noisy. Um, so I think definitely just sit back, ask open questions, um, be judgment free, work really bloody hard on the psychological safety that you create with your kind of direct reports and let them talk and listen. And don't, as I'm talking, think that you have to write everything down. Make no notes. You don't need to make notes. You need to be present and you need to be listening to what that person's telling you. Um, it's frustrating when you think that someone isn't really listening because they're distracted. And again, it can come from a really good place. So there's some kind of practical, some practical things that I think if you get right mean that the next time that person comes to have a chat with you about performance or needing that expectation to be managed they're going to come exponentially more ready to be open with you. Um, but you've got very small windows as managers to kind of get this right. I think another thing is consistency. If I have a conversation and, and I feel better moving out of it because I've had expectation managed um, and I've been given some helpful feedback and then I go in to kind of pick up the same theme and my managers change their mind, there is nothing more frustrating. Um, and I think manager advice, therefore, is if you don't know what to say, just say, I don't know what to say. Yeah. I think in terms of a process, what's really frustrating, and I, to be honest, I don't know if I've experienced this, but I've seen it, um, is when the process itself isn't engineered in a way that feels fair and participatory. Um, and I think, yeah, I mean, I, um, I think there is a, there is a thing around how do I set my goals, right? Or do I feel like I had a participatory, um, that the process of setting goals was participatory enough for me to feel like those goals are beyond smart. Also, you know, exciting things that I find motivating that are going to help my career, that are going to remove blockers in my role. And that should all spiral up to this collective why and vision and mission mm -hmm. piece and, and purpose and, and how are we tracking. Um, but if I feel like those goals have been given to me or that they've gone through a process of biased selection, you know, these are the goals that managers want or leadership want rather than goals that necessarily enable performance and enable people to be masters in their field. Um, that can be really frustrating because then you end up in a situation where your performance is being reviewed against, being reviewed against goals you never found motivating and setting the wrong goals is really unhealthy. And I think that that goal setting and performance piece is a, a total partnership um, that that can go wrong, really wrong, I think. Yeah, I think what we've explored is there are two elements of this. There is actually some foundational business elements like your employee value proposition. So mm -hmm. why are we here? What are we trying to achieve? Um, there are what does performance looks like look like from a values and a behaviors perspective so there's some foundational elements that people can go and define for their business which are going to make these conversations so much better mm -hmm. then there's the conversation itself mm. and that's making sure managers are equipped to have great conversations 
making sure that you create great psychological safety, making sure there's consistency in those yeah. conversations. And, and actually looking at it as two parts, I think is really, really important. If, if you had someone that's brand new in a people role sitting next to you now, yeah. what are the kind of three or four things that you would say to them to take away and go and do first in relation to getting performance reviews, performance conversations right in their organization? Oh, so many things. I think... You can't have more than three. Oh, damn it. Um, I think understanding, right? If you're if you're a new people person, new to your role into that business in, in this hypothetical situation, don't do anything until you understand the context within which you're you're living. I think it's crucial to get feedback from managers in a safe space. Um, it's crucial to get feedback on individuals that have been through whatever existing performance conversation there is. If there is a review process to understand how it works and what people think in a safe way, um, at least then you can design interventions that you know are going to have impact. Um, too often, I think, you know, people people are in roles where the business is looking for them to just put fires out, make things better. You know, our performance conversations are crap. We need to fix it. And too often is there this pressure on immediate intervention. Yeah. And it can be really damaging to do the wrong thing. And every time you do the wrong thing, it's harder <laughs> to, to get back to a place that's scalable and positive. So I think understanding properly the context. I think equally it's about the culture in that place. And if we seem that we're talking about startups and scale-ups and fast-paced environments and ambitious cultures and all of that good stuff in terms of growth mindset, it's making sure that the process, and I literally mean from the, are you using software? Are you doing this? Do you need software? Are you over-engineering it? Or are you not engineering it enough? Yep. The user experience of the practical, the practicalities of the process are really important. And then um, I guess fairness, like <laughs> I, I can understand businesses doing anything as long as it's fair as the starting point. If it's built on fairness, then we can always make it work and we can iterate and we can make tweaks. And fairness is that two-way street where it comes right back to what we were saying around psychological contract and this being mutual. And I think if there are leaders designing a performance review process that they are going to then give to people and say, this is what you do, and it's not a conversation, it's never going to work because inherently there will be bias in there and inherently it won't be fair. So I think make sure you're designing from a place that is empathetic and wants to be, yeah, fair. Nice. So context, understand the context of the business and the culture that you're sitting in. Make sure that um, you're having conversations that are, that are really fair mm -hmm. and there's fairness across managers and how feedback is, is being given and then nail that process. Yeah. So understand what the right process is for you, be that software, be that not software, um, don't over-engineer it, use something that's simple and that and that gets you to a process that fits with the context of your business. Yeah, and I think as not as a fourth point, as an extension of that. Um, I think you're cheating. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> I'll allow I'm it. shoehorning it in. Um, I think that process piece of, you know, so if you take conversations over a coffee, weekly, fortnightly, whatever they might be, one-to-ones, quarterly check-ins, all the way up to a bigger performance conversation. And we haven't scratched the surface on um, the way that performance and pay relate and how to 
decouple that psychologically for your team. Um, like that all has to have a connected journey through it and it all has to feel um, compelling and easy to understand. So it's not that, again, going, I guess it's back to consistency, but it's not the case that you go in and have a one-to-one with someone that then is completely forgotten. And when you get to your quarterly review and you're trying to refer back to something with your manager, there's no there's yeah. no two-way street, right? So the process at a, a user experience on a practical level, but also how does that integrate with the rest of your people and culture kind of practices? Yeah. It's all gotta it's all gotta link together. Yes. And I feel in saying that you've given me a hundred more ideas for podcast <laughs> episodes. So I, I think that we will be back together talking about other topics that that relate to this at some point in the future. And that's where we're going to leave it today. Unfortunately, that's all we've got time for. I need to thank uh, Ginny Lisk for uh, joining me today. Thank you, Ginny. Thank you. Thank you very much. You are um, always wise and always <laughs> super interesting and engaging to have a conversation uh, with. Uh, I would thank uh, Mel Behind the Glass for producing today, but she is off today. She is having a day off. Um, I hope you're enjoying your holiday, Melanie, wherever you are. We miss you. Come back. Uh, I've got to thank uh, Google Campus for hosting us today and lending us their lovely studio. To all of you listening along at home, in the car, at work, we appreciate you. Thank you for coming on this journey with us. Remember, if you've got an issue you'd like us to discuss, drop us a line. We're at Join Charlie and I'm at Gately on Twitter. We look forward to seeing you again next week. I've been Ben Branson-Gately, your host, and this has been the Culture Ops Podcast. Thank you.